Hello and welcome to the podcast. Support us by subscribing and sharing. We are on Patreon, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Hanging on by a thread, losing his grip, is my co-host, Craig. And muscle-bounding in, <laughs> muscle jungling bound. around on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Wanted, obviously, I wanted to put you down and make myself look good. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, obviously, that uh, happened. Uh, my name's Adam, and you're listening to Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Alright, so uh, yeah, it's been a little while, so let's have a bit of a catch-up. Uh, where the fuck have you been? Well, sir, I have been to Norway. I've been ill. Uh, I've been busy with work. Yeah. You were also doing something, which is why <laughs> this... Adam, do you know what this is? What is this? This is our 52nd episode. 50 seconds. So it is actually our it is our 52nd episode. It'll be our 41 or 41st, 41, 41st episode of the movies. That's not obviously including all the like the bonus the, episodes yeah, so, and little specials and things like that we've done. But that's it, man. We've been going officially for one whole year plus all the weeks. Oh we shit! Missed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. I'm with you now. There you oh, go. Well, happy anniversary. Happy Pop anniversary. And what a better way to celebrate than with another Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh yeah, do you know what? What a great callback! How it started and how it's, <laughs> and how it's kind of now finished. finishing. <laughs> it's been a good year, everybody. See you later. Yeah, ciao. Um, cool. Yeah, so you're in Norway. How was that? It was great. Um, so it's in the south of Norway. The first question everyone's asked me the since south I come back of is, "Yeah, has, did you see the Northern Lights?" No, that's okay. in the north. I was in the south, uh, but I spent six days hiking, fishing. Uh, up in the forests, uh, learning how to use a chainsaw. It was pretty Very cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, you, the farm. Did you see any trolls? I didn't. The, uh, man, in the airport, it is Troll City with their oh, is it? Um, souvenirs. To the point yeah. where there's just one Warwick Davis sized troll outside of a shop <laughs> for no discernible reason. It's not advertising to go in the shop, it's just like a statue. And oh, cool. it was surrounded by, because obviously they're setting up for Christmas, a reindeer and a giant-ass polar bear and things like that. And mm. I'm looking at this troll like, that's got to give some kids nightmares. Yeah, it was a quite a scary troll. It was, was it as, those, as, as like, trolls go. Trolls who put stick on the end of your pencil up the bumhole. No, it wasn't one of the cool pink-haired, green-haired trolls. Uh, okay. It looked more like, it looked more like the leprechaun from, speaking of Warwick Davis. <laughs> Uh, but, oh, fair enough. but yeah, how you been? I've been right. Yeah, you, you kind of mentioned uh, that we've both actually been quite sick because um, you messaged me and you're like, "Oh, I just threw up on the train." Yep. So that, that were you a degenerate and just literally just spewed out in on the carriage, or did you like try and? Cap I, it I don't. I don't want to answer. Yourself? I don't want to really answer any more questioning about <laughs> that. Uh, that I mean, I'm, it, look, I threw up on the seat oh, next to me. What do you want? Like it was not, but where I go oh, on go. the train, that's, that's not right. this is leave, leave it for the next guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> where I go on the train is my back to. I like I go to the end of the carriage. So there's no one behind me. Oh right. yeah, okay, and there's cool. just this one seat next to me. So no one really had to suffer what I was what was going through me or coming out of me, as it were. Um, but I feel <laughs> like that's better because it's only it's really located in the corner of the room, which is where I know that you and I hide all our trash. This is true. This is very true. Uh, I think if I was going to obviously like hurl on the train, I probably would try and find a corner. There was one time I was getting a train to down to Brentford, and mm. 
man, I was not in a good way. And it was self-inflicted. It was self-inflicted. <laughs> self-inflicted. <laughs> and I'm just sat there, like, kind of sweating out, being like, okay, whatever you do, just don't vomit on the train. Whatever you do, do not well, vomit on the train. That's your first mistake. You start thinking about I it. I totally started thinking about it. I got to breakfast, <laughs> the doors opened, and as they were opening, I was just stood there and push. It was like something out of The Shining. Um, nice. And I just stood on the <laughs> stood on the train being like... <sighs> Nailed it. I did yeah. not nail it. Luckily, there was no one else on the platform. Anyway, how you been? How you been? Yeah, I've uh, fully recovered now. Um, hitting it up back at work. And yeah, nothing to write home about, really. Uh, Mrs. is away. Uh, so I've got the whole flat to myself. Nice. Yeah. So Party Central, nice. Babe Manor. Party Central, um, Babe Manor, and Kleenex in the Amazon delivery. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm like. I need a bulk order of toilet paper <laughs> and lube, and that is that oh, is me for the week. treating yourself. Good for you. Well, man. I think once 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 you go lube, you can never go back. <laughs> that's that's exactly the the rhyme they say. That is it. Um, yeah, it's just it's just too rough. Obviously, as well, especially you, you're a man that likes to weight lift. Your hands just get a bit rough. Yes, this is true. It is callus central, and luckily only on my left hand at the moment, so we're good. So while you were in the south of Norway, uh, did you do any mountain climbing? I didn't do any mountain climbing, but do you know who does do mountain climbing? Who does mountain climbing, Craig? Us, trying to fit in this segue naturally. Hey, <laughs> it's Cliffhanger. Really trying to fit in that segue through a fucking like, marshmallow through a key <laughs> hole. Um, yeah, so uh, fucking, this is what we're here for. Uh, so this is continuing on our season of fan base requests. And we are doing Cliffhanger, the 1993 R-rated movie uh, starring Sylvester Stallone. So, uh, have you seen this movie before? I have seen this film so many times, mm-hmm. but same. not since I was about 10. Uh, okay, fair enough. I, I I feel like it's one of those movies that I'll catch every couple of years. Mm. And I'll be like, oh, you know, I haven't seen that movie for a while. And I know it's a good Sylvester Stallone movie because... This is 90 Sylvester Stallone, mm. so it's a bit hit and miss. So we've had uh, Stop, Oh, My Mum Will Shoot. Which, which is categorically one of the worst films ever made. Yeah, and Oscar, if you remember that one. Nope. Um, but then also you've had Hit Out of the Parks with Demolition Man. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cobra. Cobra. Is Cobra 90s? I've got a feeling it was. I could be wrong. Maybe like 92. Yeah. No. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Hey, let's say Maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe let's do some research. Um, so, if you've never seen uh, Cliffhanger, it's about a botched mid-air heist uh, results in suitcases full of cash being searched for by various groups throughout the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. It's, pretty, uh, it's Die Hard on a mountain. <laughs> it is Die Hard, or it, um, as it is quoted in the novella, uh, it is Rambo on ice. <laughs> Which is one hundred percent a show I would watch at Madison Square Garden. Um, no, it's not Rambo on Ice at all. It's fucking Rambo on Ice. It's not Rambo on uh, Ice for many reasons. One, Sylvester Sloan gets the shit kicked out of him in this film. He does, yes. Um, that happens in Rambo. Rambo gets the... Not really. And Rambo too, sure. Yeah, but exactly. Here's a question for you, because we... Right, Sylvester Sloan, mm-hmm. we, he's doing Die Hard on Ice. It <laughs> yeah, brings me up... It brings up a topic I wanted to ask you. In oh, the game on. of t- in the game of movie top trumps, who wins oh, okay. between the founders Can of we have like some, uh, I'll give you the parameters. Like who wants to be? Second. I want to. Who wants to be a millionaire? Kind of music. Oh, the... <laughs> okay, cool. Question: Who wins in the 
Planet Hollywood Top Trumps between Sylvester Sloan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis. And I'm looking for who's got the best movie, who's mm-hmm. got the worst movie, mm-hmm. who is consistently, like, who is the best fair to middling player. Well, I suppose in the best movie out of all of them, like, and non-biased, because obviously, you know, Rocky's my favourite movie. Course. I'd have to probably say it's Arnold Schwarzenegger with Terminator 2. Terminator 2, Judgment That's, Day, cool. That is, out of all three of them, the best movie. All right. Now, in terms of the worst, I'd probably have to say recently, Bruce Willis. Yeah. He is knocking out some absolute shite. Um... What was it even the fucking movie called where he's like goes to space and surrogates? No, oh, not surrogates. Surrogates wasn't mm, it was, Armageddon, it wasn't great, but <laughs> it, definitely not that. No, I'm talking like within the last year released on Netflix. Oh, that one that's on. It's, uh, it's probably it's got. Fucking... It, I think it's got Frank Grillo in it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, it is a piece. Oh shit! I can't <laughs> remember the name of it. It's that bad. Never saw it. Um, but then in terms of longevity and diversity. Um, and just kind of like overall balance I might say Sylvester Stallone because he has what I say diverse in his in his movies I'm probably saying the most diverse is yeah, probably absolutely. Bruce Willis but um, in terms of hitting out the part with loads of different pe- like characters he like iconic characters so what Arnie is the Terminator. Yes. You know what I mean? That is, that's like, as much as he can be like Dutch and, you know, from Predator and things like that, he, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Whereas Sylvester Stallone is Rocky, he's Rambo, and uh, I don't know if you would say like, you could say like John Spartan is an iconic character. Uh, mm. Maybe. Maybe. But dude's a fucking uh, Academy Award winning screenwriter. And actor. You know what I mean? And actor. Uh, don't forget, he is an actor as well. He is. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's... So, so you're going best... Trump, best film, Arnie. Worst... Uh, that, worst, Bruce Willis. That, with that movie that you then, can't remember. And that movie which I, I totally don't want to remember. <laughs> and then the most consistent, probably throughout, uh, is... Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. All right, so I'm going best is Bruce Willis. Because he's, okay. he's got Die Hard. Is Die Hard a better action movie than any of the other movies that, what, uh, Schwarzenegger, so, in terms of, like, Total Recall, Running Man, uh, Predator? It, well, you, but yes, and here's why. Because no one goes, oh, it's Total Recall on a plane. They go, it's Die Hard on a plane. Uh, yeah, okay, okay, so it's a good barometer, it's a good benchmark, yeah. good standards. The okay, worst cool. is also Bruce Willis with Die <laughs> Hard fair 5. Oh yeah, even better show. And I've been thinking about this. The worst of the three of them is the. It's interestingly, it's franchise territory, and it's mm. the fifth. So the fifth Rambo, the fifth Die Hard, and the fifth Terminator. I think are all of yeah. each of those three actors' worst films. But I think a good day to Die Hard Five in Russia, comma not really, it's Ukraine, is out and out the worst. But isn't it on the Fast and the Furious model? Isn't it like after five, then everything starts getting better again? So we've got to wait for Die Hard 6. I think so. Okay. Fingers crossed. Um, And I think with regards to like consistency, I'm going to have to say Schwarzenegger. Because if you look at Schwarzenegger's 90, he didn't do a bad film from like 1980, whenever Terminator was, 89? 
Okay. Maybe. Don't think of bad. He did in, movie. in all of the nineties. He only did Junior. That was like, oh dear. That's not even a bad movie, though, is it? You know what I mean. And then he stopped like, until two thousand. He stopped at a certain point in two thousand ten. Does Expendables? And you're right. Uh, Junior's not bad. It's just not good. Yeah, he started doing some um, some kind of like later on. Or was it collateral damage? Yes. And then he did some. Other, I felt like he started getting a little bit. Uh, shit for him when he started doing things like Six Day. Like Six Day wasn't again a bad movie, but it wasn't stellar. But then you're looking and at True Lies, End of mm, Days, The Running End of Days, Man, as me. you said. Like yeah. I did say that. You did, and that's that's <laughs> for acting caliber. Consistently, he had over a decade. Um, yeah, he's done some other movies that are not too bad. I mean, Sabotage uh, is. I love Sabotage, but it's an absolute pile of trash. Is Sabotage the one where he's like his family goes and gets killed on a plane? No, that's Aftermath. Oh, uh, that's uh, yeah, Sabotage. Oh, Sabotage is fucking awful. That's the, <laughs> really that's the one they're like, they're SWATs yeah, and they like the rock Agatha drugs. Yeah, the Christie on steroids movie. Oh, yeah, that's wank, that movie. But, so I think Bruce Willis is best, Bruce Willis is best, Schwarzenegger is most consistent, but if you gave me a choice to work with one of the three of them, it's always going to be Stallone. Hundred, yeah, 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 100%. Um, because you get best of both worlds, you get a fairly competent actor who's going to draw in lots and lots of money just because of the name alone, but also as well that someone can come in and do a good bit of screenwriting. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. As we know from Just Dread, didn't work. No, but... and he writes for himself to look good, and that's absolutely fine. That's totally cool, like expected. Yeah. But at certain points, he'll write himself to get the shit kicked out of him or tortured or beaten up mm. or whatever you need. I've never seen him die on screen. I don't know if he dies in Spike Kids 3. I never saw it. But... No. Probably not, but he's he's not <laughs> afraid of going and doing a Copland or something, and oh yeah, being good shabby and overweight no. and vulnerable and just fucking awesome. Even some of the Rocky movies, he's not Rocky; he's a shadow of Rocky, and he's nailing it. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Um, so with that, if you've never seen Cliffhanger before, um, we're going to roll trailer. Uh, so three, two, one. Please, please, I don't want to die. You're not going to die. No, let me ah! Matheson has been transferred from the Denver office to Frisco, and as a professional courtesy between offices, I was asked if he could hitch a ride. Got plenty of room. Be glad to accommodate you. We just got an emergency call that five climbers just ran off Combe Left. I haven't climbed in months. You just lose the feel. Maybe you mean the nerve. Where's the helicopter? What the hell's going on? What are your names? Tucker and Walker. Well, Tucker and Walker, we're missing three bags. What's in them? None of your fucking business! Fudge! Where is the money? (laughs) 
the director, Rennie Harlan. Uh, where do you know that name? Rennie Harlan, Mr. Deep Blue Sea cameo himself. Hmm. Uh, the one where it took like like 20, 20 takes, takes for him for to him walk in the background, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, speaking of Die Hard, uh, did Die Hard 2. Oh, of course uh, he did. Fuck yeah. Of course he did. And with that, uh, on our podcast, he's featured in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm-hmm. And we then probably would have mentioned Cutthroat Island. Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> a dismal bomb. Rennie Harlan is one of those directors where I'm like, I know exactly what I'm getting, and I'm going to mm. sit down, I'm going to eat some popcorn, and go, yep, entertain oh. me. Because he doesn't Fair deal enough. with, like, themes or subtext. <laughs> doesn't have, yeah, doesn't have any real substance he's to He's not nuanced and subtle. No, he's. I'd say he's a good out and out action director. Yeah. And but and that's not a bad hyper stylized. You can really sort of kind of like uh, I feel like bridge between the world of like like unrealistic kind of but very on like maybe possible that the human body could survive and do these yes kind of feats. absolutely. Uh, he's that fine line between a Christopher Nolan movie where everything's real mm. and yeah. John Woo. <laughs> yeah, uh, good shout. <laughs> and the problem is, is because he's neither of those things. He's this weird blend where people are getting hurt, but also they're doing stupid stunts. He's mm. always been looked at as like, oh, he's here at the party as well. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, I suppose he's not. He's not got the recognised name as someone like John Woo, um, because I wouldn't say like he is that stylized. If you know what I mean. I mean, I'm thinking Deep Blue Sea. When you see a shark explode from six different angles after seeing the base explode <laughs> from six different angles after seeing the helicopter explode from six he loves different angles of things exploding much like John yeah. who loves doves this is true uh, so Rennie Harlan initially turned down the opportunity to direct as he didn't really want to make a die hard tea wait wait which is he, yeah so or well, I didn't want to make another die right hard okay tea. he did I was gonna say yeah. he didn't want to make a die hard tea too. Uh, I've got a really long, like I've almost got like a page of um, research here, which is basically the kind of how this movie even got made. Cool. So I'm going to really try and condense it as much as. So, okay, wait. I'm uh, going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess. I'm going to pitch someone okay. an idea. Someone wrote a script, mm-hmm. and someone w- w- that I imagine had a big fat cigar in their mouth went. Get me Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not available? Okay, <laughs> get me <laughs> Steven Seagal. Yeah, like, okay, get me... like the penguin. Yeah, absolutely. Get, <laughs> get me Jean-Claude Van Damme. And he, they get them all there and get Mel, get me Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis and who else was big then? Dolph Lundgren and, mm. and Sylvester Stallone and just th- asked all of them, like, who wants it the most? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I, I'd say that's probably nowhere close uh, to what I've written down. But... Uh, uh, so the production behind this is uh, Calco. Uh, mm. You remember Calco, don't you? Mm. Back in the day, uh, the big C. Yeah, the C goes, goes in like on a, itself. Yeah. Uh, oh, Calco. Uh, Calco. Uh, so they originally signed on Sylvester Stallone to appear opposite John Candy in a comedy directed by John Hughes. Um, oh, I'm, so. I'm sorry, but that's amazing because I just want I want Michael Rooker to be played by John Candy now. Alright, so it's about feuding neighbours and the title of this movie is going to be Bartholomew vs. Neff. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, alright. So, uh project got dropped eventually and uh, but Stallone's obviously still involved with the Calco projects um, and he is going to now start in a sci-fi futuristic horror 
about a genetically created monster that goes on the loose on a high-speed runaway train. Okay. You, okay, you lost so... me and then really brought me back with train there. <laughs> Um, so the movie was set to about a 19 million budget and it was going to be directed by Roland Emmerich and double down back in yes show me this just roping you back in like throwing that lasso over you Uh, so with this uh, Roland Emmerich uh, as you kind of probably even know that he has a lot of creative differences Uh, so he had a lot of arguments with Calco and producer Joel Silver and so he wanted a lot more creative control over the script doesn't happen yep. and the whole project gets scrapped yep. now so emmerich goes and fucks off and makes universal soldier for <laughs> i'll show right. them get me john yes. claude van damme get me dolph lundgren <laughs> so then stallone uh, is obviously still signed on uh, but he's now going to work with rennie harland on an action thriller disaster called gale force okay which would have stallone's character fighting modern pirates during a large hurricane okay yeah, <laughs> but then that film got cancelled, yeah. and then they went on to work on Cliffhanger. Okay, I gotta say, just based on my like sensory reaction to all that, the Pirates in the Wind, which would be a better title, hundred percent lost my interest. Oh really? Okay, right. So I don't Sylvester want Sloan. Geostorm fucks Captain Phillips. I can give you a little bit more detail about this movie, right? So uh, Sylvester Sloan and Rennie Harlan were originally going to make the film titled Gale Force for Calco Pictures. <laughs> The script for the film had the main character, which probably would have been Sylvester Sloan, as an ex-Navy SEAL fighting a group of modern pirates and thieves in a coastal town during a large hurricane. Despite working on it from 1986, sorry, 1989 until 1991, Calco deemed the project too expensive to produce after investing over $4 million in script rewrites, okay. plus the original script. Right. So, uh, so this is like obviously they're pumping money. They think it's going to be a winner. I'm thinking they're they're getting like twister level. Yeah. Kind of so production. here's my initial feedback, people from the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> too many things going on there. If you look at Twister, it's about tornadoes. If you look at Cliffhanger, it's mm-hmm. about mountain climbers and terrorists. If you look at equally, right. then if you look at Vertical Limit, have you seen? You've seen Vertical yeah. Limit, sure. It's about yeah, yeah. redemption of a lost father and saving people from a mountain and evil corporate greed and redemption yeah. against evil corporate greed and nitroglycerin between warring countries that somehow explodes because mm. Ben Mendelsohn leaves it in the sun. And at Vertical Limit, it's just yeah. too many things. <laughs> Somali pirates and a gale force wind and I'm sure a love interest and I'm sure you have to save the dead dog and I'm sure a stale relationship with the sun character because it was the 90s. Uh, it's just it's too many ingredients it's it's bad gumbo i think so i think just at that time during the sort of like that on the cusp of the decade of the 90s uh visual effects probably just weren't there at the time obviously then come a few years later you're getting jurassic park but again that's not gale force where has dinosaurs and (laughs) it's two different things no but at the same time there's no no point is Richard Attenborough there like clinging onto a fence and being like 17 knots or something (laughs) it's always just the dinosaurs and the hurricane causing a little bit of an issue not oh we've beaten the pirates oh but wouldn't you know it's now caused Mm. a tidal wave oh fair enough uh, moving on, uh, we've got writers now. So we've got uh, John Long, I remember that name because yep. he comes up with the premise for the movie. Uh, Michael France, where do you know that name? I don't off the top of my head. Uh, Sylvester Sloan, uh, he wrote Cobra. Uh, he did write Cobra. Are you he fucking kidding? On this. 
Well, Sylvester Stallone is a writer. Oh, sorry. No, I thought... Sorry. Oh, you're talking about Michael France. Yeah, I yeah, was so, just, right. as an absolute guess, did Michael France write Cobra? No, he didn't. Okay, did he write any no, other... He Sylvester? only wrote a handful of okay. movies. Uh, so, uh, some of them you'd be familiar with. Uh, he wrote GoldenEye. Amazing. You know, that, that James Bond movie yeah. you, know, you might have heard of. Uh, he wrote The Punisher, uh, the good one. Oh, the... Uh, the one with Thomas Jane. I was going to say, yeah, cool. And then he wrote Fantastic Four, the kind of good one. Yeah, no, it's not. But yeah. it's also not the bad one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, yes, as I said, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Now, uh, Michael France, he sold the script of Cliffhanger to Calco Pictures for half a million dollars. Not bad. The company then got a nice little visit from two independent producers, one called Gene Patrick Hines and the other one called James R. What the fuck's that name? <laughs> Zala, Zala Token. Yeah, like sure. That. I'm not reading um, it. Yeah, uh, so they provided proof that France was not the originator of the story. It turned out the idea had been first developed back in the 80s by Hines and a world-famous climber and author, John Long. Mm. Calco agreed to then pay Hines and fucking hell, what is that name? <laughs> uh, a producer's fee of $400,000 and then gave him co-producing credits. John Long then receives the uh, based on the premise credits. Cool. How much did he get? Does it say there how much he got paid for the original credit situation? I think I want to say because I did read that it was about seven hundred thousand pounds that got paid out in settlement. So okay. I imagine that he probably took a bit of a chunk out of that as well. Fair enough. Wait, seven hundred thousand pounds? Then he would have got five hundred thousand dollars because that was at a time where it was two for one. Oh, okay. Very cool. Maths. Ah, maths. <laughs> Uh, speaking about phoning it in, uh, music by Trevor Jones. Now, where do you know that name from? Is he related to Nora? He might Quincy. be. Quincy? Uh, Quincy? Is he rela- Could be. related to Quincy Jones? I doubt then it. Then I have uh, no idea. Uh, so, Time Bandits, Labyrinth, oh, Labyrinth. Dark Crystal. Yeah. Cool. Um, but most notably, uh, Trevor Jones did the music to Last of the Mohicans. <sighs> Right, now if you listen to the soundtrack of Cliffhanger, they are very similar. Okay, so again, right. I haven't seen uh, this since I was 10-ish. Okay, right, so you're going to listen out for this. In, so do you remember the Mohicans, <laughs> uh, the theme tune? <laughs> One of the greatest... Oh, not, not, not that song, that's a great song. Yeah, really well renditioned there. Thank you, yeah. All right. Cliffhanger is da, 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 like it is that it, it's that beginning bit, and then he's just gone fuck it. Oh, they'll never know. So it's like good. it's like what you said in Grand Piano. They'll never know the ending. <laughs> like, but it's quite. It's like fucking. Is this Last Mohican? No, it's not Last Mohican. But it is. There's and then you're like, oh, it's Trevor Jones. It's the same fucking guy. There's a movie called that Slaughter is, High. Which I've talked to you yes. about before, and I fucking love as a movie. Oh yes, yeah. I'm, very, I'm I'm familiar with Slaughter High. They hired. I think it might have had the same producers as one of the Fridays movies, but they certainly okay. hired the same musician, and all he submitted right. were unused or repeated Friday the Thirteenth music scores, and they just went nice. cool. We'll take them. Um, I tell you what, if I if we're really uh, on it, uh, I will try and edit myself the Last of the Mohican music with the cliffhanger music cool. and for your and we'll insert it right now. If not, then Craig and I have not been able to sort our shit out this week. So <laughs> I'm excited to uh, listen right. back and see what we did.
casting, uh, we've mentioned Sylvester Stallone. He plays Gabe Walker. He does a fair bit walking in this movie. Uh, so we've had Sylvester Stallone on this podcast now a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just Dread, uh, Daylight, Ants. Demolition Man. And what? Ants. <laughs> Ants. Ants. Yeah, it, was he an he Ants? He was in Ants. Not a bug's life. He was in Ants with Woody Allen. Ah, and okay, I think cool. he hooks nice, up. Sweet. Oh no, Woody Allen might hook up with Sharon Stone's aunt in that movie. Anyway, he's in Ants. Nice. Okay, good shout. And uh, starring opposite him is John Lithgow. Long, long Lithgow. John, Lithgow. Lithgow. I've I've Lithgow. always known John Lithgow. How now, Brown? Cow? How now, Brown Lithgow? <laughs> so he plays Eric Quaylen. Yep. I'll say Quaylen. And uh, I probably best known as Dr. Dick Solomon from Further Up From The Sun. Yes. Now, I feel that this movie got slightly ruined for me because I didn't see this movie until after I'd obviously watched a lot of Further Up From The Sun. Ah, uh, okay. So I'm seeing uh, John Lithgow. Yep. And I'm like, oh, he's the funny dude. from, And he then it takes away a lot of the menace from his character. And then when I speak to people about John Lithgow, they always say, oh, yeah, he's wicked in Cliffhanger. He's like, he's really like menacing. I'm like, oh, no, I think it's very much a generational thing. It's it's interesting because I was the same. Like you say, John, Lith- mm. there was a time when you say John Lithgow to me and I'll be like, oh, of course, Third Rock from the Sun, Joseph yes. Gordon-Levitt, etc. Yes. And so I saw Cliffhanger and I was like, oh, it's the funny man doing the funny thing. But since then, obviously, mm. he's done Shrek. <laughs> uh, was he Lord Farquaad? Lord Farquaad, wasn't he? Yeah, Lord Farquaad. But but I've seen him. Then I've gone back and been like, oh man, he's amazing in Blowout. Oh man, he's yeah. amazing in Ricochet. So he's now up, you know, and he comes back in Dexter as the serial killer. I was going to say, yeah. So he plays Trinity from Dexter. So, That's where I kind of know him as well. From. You you put John Lithgow in a movie, and I'm there like he's probably going to murder someone. He's a villain. Mm. Get out of the room quickly, quickly. <laughs> Not quick enough. And so, yeah, I went through. I've been through a whole journey with him. He's great. So we're saying that he's got range. He has got range, and I'd love to see he's a movie with him and James Cromwell as brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay, good James shot, Cromwell. Shot. For anyone not know, James Cromwell is the farmer from Babe. I I'm very familiar with James because he was in Surrogates, wasn't he? I never never saw it. Oh, fair <laughs> but he, yeah. He always plays like the old dude who controls everything. Yeah, that's he played he, exactly like, who he played in Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, who, if you were going to cast a villain at that time, who would you cast instead of John Lithgow? Uh, 1993. Uh, this is 1993. So, yes. Michael Biehn. Oh, good shout. Uh, it's not Michael Biehn. Um... It probably makes a little bit more sense actually reading the script and then going. This probably makes more sense with this actor playing this character. It was of course the one and only Christopher Walken. Oh, better movie. Well, I think it's a better movie. Oh. Uh, so yeah, he, he originally cast, but left the production before filming began. So Lifgal, uh, uh was cast last minute. I mean, it's not a bad substitute. It's not bad. He no, did well. He did great. Good jobs, but. Man, Christopher Walken in this movie. Yes, please. Oh, 100%. Uh, Michael Rooker, he plays Hal Tucker. So probably more recently known as Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I probably best known from as uh, Henry. Portrait, Portrait of Serial Killer. Killer. Yeah. Yeah. To a lot of people, he'll be the other brother from Walking Dead. Yeah. 
and he was also in Six Day as well. Yes, he is in Six Day. He's also he's also in uh, Starship Troopers. No, no, fuck, no, no Dean Norris. No. I always do that. Shit, you always do. You always get mixed up your Norris with your Rockers. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Janine Turner, uh, she plays Jesse Ding Hang. Fuck it, that's your name. <laughs> Jesse, uh, Jesse. Yeah, fuck it, your name's Jesse. And probably best known as Maggie from Northern Exposure. No, I don't know if you've ever watched that. that. Nah, yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on, Rex Lynn plays uh, Richard Travers. Uh, he's been in fucking everything, Rex Lynn. Yeah, he looks like a uh, walrus. He is. And he's just one of those guys that you just kind of alright I need a cop I need someone to yeah yeah, I mean. yeah he's he's also kind of like um, Chris oh god I again forget his name so it doesn't matter but the the cop in The Watcher yeah good shout yeah I can't remember um, his name. I know but those about. two again yeah. they're just cast as like disgruntled and special agent Rex Lynn <laughs> FBI <laughs> um, yeah they're cast as disgruntled kind of public servants who know how to yeah. say for fuck's sake. Yeah, he's a uh, Rush Hour Agent Whitney. Yes. Uh, he's also Frank Tripp from CSI Miami. Okay, cool. Yeah, I never so watched CSI Miami. Oh, of course you did. I, so I watched CSI, yeah. I watched CSI, and that was it. CSI, oh, Crime okay. Scene Investigation. Fair. Uh, Caroline Goodall uh, plays Crystal uh, slash Jet Pilot. Brilliant. So she gets two credits to her name. Uh, where do you know her from? I don't. Oh, you do. Uh, she is the mum from Hook. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she was also in Schindler's List, that other movie, a little <laughs> movie you might not have heard of. Um, right, this is quite funny. This guy is just called Leon. That's his That's just, name. It's like Prince. It's not. It's just Prince. Uh, it's, or it's like Bono. His name is Leon. Leon. Uh, so he plays uh, Kenneth. Uh, where do you know Leon is from? He he Jean is he He is the only black dude in this movie. Okay, cool. You know I mean, that one. look, <laughs> all jokes aside, it was the 90s. That was what they did. Yeah. Shrug. That's what they did. Uh, did you recognise him from any... Oh, we've not watched the movie, but do you know the name of uh, Leon? No, by any chance? I don't know the name of Leon. Uh, uh, so look out for him. He is the director. He played uh, the driver in Cool Runnings. Like oh, the main dude. cool! Do you reckon that's how John uh, Candy got attached to this project? Oh, actually, I don't know. If, yeah, maybe, maybe he had a falling out with Ronald Emmerich. <laughs> go, <laughs> uh, go, fucking do Cool Runnings. Uh, and then you've got uh, a whole host of other people. Uh, Craig Fairbrass. Yes, uh, he's a knockoff Vinnie Jones in this movie. Rise of the Foot Soldier yeah. himself. Oh, good shout! Uh, he's done loads of voice acting. Uh, he was like he was a cod uh, I think voice, he was soap he? in Call of Duty. Yeah. He was, and he also played Ghost as well in um, Call of Duty to uh, Modern Warfare. Too. And for the uh, for the British fans out there, he was one of the suspects on who shot Phil on that episode of EastEnders from the nineties. Yeah, he was floating around. He used to do London's Burning as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you remember that fucking show. Who Jesus, did shoot Phil in the end? Did you ever watch EastEnders at that point? Was it Ian Beale? Was it the... Oh, it was somebody. It was somebody. <laughs> yeah, we really tried to do a Who Shot JR, and man, you got sucked up into that 90s hype only to not care. That was all done and uh, dusted with Dirty Den. Uh, in, in, yeah, absolutely. treading on the old The first ground. Dirty Den, not where he came back, right? 
that that is it yeah. uh, when you just get that fucking awful shot straight to the water and it's just like kind of not even bubbling anyway uh, Gregory Scott Cummings Dennis Forrest uh, they're all in this movie yeah so, <laughs> yeah like Gregory Scott Dennis Forrest Dennis Forrest let me say that again three two so then you've got Gregory Scott Cummings Dennis Forrest etc etc yeah those, those type of people yeah this is very much a movie of fodder I've used it before it's just, it's a mm. movie of people who are set up to die at Sylvester Stallone's hands. A hundred percent. So with a budget of 70 million, estimated, 70 million dollars, how much do you think it made back and will go worldwide? Worldwide. Ooh, 210. Yeah. 210 million dollars. Ooh, not too far right. off. Um, so it's 255 million dollars. I'll take that. Yeah, not it's bad. not too bad. Um, general um, criticisms of this movie that is uh, very unrealistic, most uh, surprising. Um, so this did get nominated for a few Academy Awards. Really? Also, it did get not. It did like um, legit Academy for, Awards. I think for like sound, oh, okay, and that sort of shit. Okay. You know I mean, like, uh, but then also a few actors got nominated for like you know Razzies and shit like that. Uh, as you know, I know you're not a fan of Razzies. No, 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 no. Because uh, here's the thing: you can always poke fun at movie. I, I mean, our whole podcast is predicated on the fact that the Razzies exists. Basically, we're just doing a low budget <laughs> version of that. Um, we are very much. I can totally understand this getting Razzies because for years mm. I thought John Lethgow was British. That's because I watched it when I was 10 and was like, yeah, that guy's British. Having watched the trailer just now, my God, (laughs) this dude's fucking... He makes Dick Van Dyke's British accent look kind of okay. Yeah, I didn't even realise he was playing British. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. Um, What's your relationship with this movie? This is like one of those movies that I would feel is like... Not a dad movie, this is like an uncle movie. Yes. I would very much say that this is... Like I, I remember going around like say like my uh, so my cousin Matthew who I share a very deep passion with going to the cinema with and watching movies with uh, his dad my uncle Aiden uh, this is like a uncle Aiden movie nice. for me this is like I'd I'd go around and he, for him things like Aliens yeah, um, yeah Cliffhanger things uh, like Predator that was definitely his his vibe sure. my dad did obviously like uh, some some decent movies I just felt that. My uncle just had a slightly cooler, cooler yeah. Taste. I get you. I get. I can't wait to be that yeah. kind of uncle. Like, come here. We're sitting down. We're yeah. watching Demolition Man. I, I I remember watching. Say like for example, I remember watching RoboCop. Yeah. Like being first watching RoboCop at my uncle's nice. house. That's uncle Aiden. We also, I suppose, have to thank for this podcast. Oh yeah, true. Actually, yes. yeah. Thank you very much, Uncle Aiden. God bless you and rest your soul. So, with that. Uh, What's the relationship with you before we... Um, I just It's one of those movies that I like rinsed with my sister as like an Air Force One, a gross point blank, a Die Hard, Die Hard 2. Mm. Uh, like, okay. give me an hour and 40. Get, don't, don't try and be epic. Don't try and be scary. Just be awesome. And we're all going to have a good time. And I watched it again and again and again. And then I kind of put it on the back burner as like, a, I'll get mm. back to it one day. And the day, t- that day is today. So uh, this was nominated by Paul Howie Roberts. Brilliant. I said it right this time, didn't yes, I? Yes, you did. There we yes. go. Not Howie Paul no. Roberts. Not, yes. Uh, Roberts, um, Howie Paul. Our good friend and sometime co-player for our rugby team, 
uh, we have to thank. Because every when time... was the last time he fucking played rugby? Honestly, I want to say it was that time that he injured his hamstring. But I'm going to suggest that that's every time <laughs> he's played. Yeah, a hundred percent. He like walked around with that fucking calf sock on him. He like, played in the summer. Like... We're like we'd like we'd go out for a fucking drink and he has to like tape up. <laughs> and he's just like that, he's, that guy's just injury prone. I can't criticize. Uh, I'm just about as uh, injured as he is at all times. So it's you're fun. pretty fragile as yeah. well. Yeah. Um. You're 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 a delicate chance. Stupid knee. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, every time uh, I've met with Harry for drinks, he suggested this, and absolutely, it's about time. Yeah, cool. I I, I think this is, you could definitely fall up on the guilty pleasure barometer more so than fucking grand piano. Um, well, let's let's let that uh, lie. You know, we'll stop flogging that dead yes. horse. That yes. is a joke that's gone out of tune. Nailed it. Oh wait. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on very swiftly from that. We're going to jump into the movie. So, uh, get ready, Craig. Three, two, one. It is movie talk time. All right, back in the room. How do you feel? Um, on on the edge. I really was at the beginning. And then mm. somewhere along the way, I was just like, yeah. Um, I get what you mean. It starts off, and like obviously we're going to go through it. It starts off with a cool, epic opening. Like a really great yeah. 90s kick-ass opening. And then, mm. uh, yeah, about three quarters of the way through, it just becomes trope city. It becomes like, oh, that's expected. Mm. Oh, that was expected as well. Oh, did she get kidnapped? There's a surprise. Oh, yeah. he just falls at the end off uh, in the helicopter. I've never seen that before. And the it almost felt like wild the ending of Wild Wild West. Oh, good shout! I I get what you're saying because it felt like right. We've got this really cool fucking premise, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then what the fuck else are we going to do? Oh, let me just pull out the usual fucking uh, action Tropes. sequence. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's like, hiding underneath the bridge, and oh, he came up, and the guy's there with a gun pointed at his head. Yeah, it just felt like it wrapped up in a nice little package. Yeah, oh, oh fucking Craig Fairbrass could take the shot, but now we get exposition about him being a football star, so he's going to beat him up with his hands, <laughs> even though he's yeah, been firing he his, that... Uh, Vinny yeah, impression. even though he's been firing that machine gun all day long. Yeah, it's just, as well, you see, what I liked about his character is the overly pronounced, like, Cockney accent. Yeah. It's like, oi, you bloody little wanker! <laughs> Yeah, and then the, the, he has two lines that I can remember. Both of them are just him being racist. And what the fuck? Like, <laughs> the, uh, what? Those are the ones you remember. It's like, well, that's oh, it. He's only know. got two lines. And one of them he calls uh, Leon boy. And the next one's like, mm. oh, that oh, yeah. black bastard. And it's like, wait, what? You should. <laughs> what? Yeah, we're on the same team, yeah. but we're evil. Oh, so I'm allowed to be And racist. of course, his. Um, final spiel when he's beating Michael Rooker where he's like oh, I used to play football for I don't know probably Millwall or whomever he says and starts free <laughs> kick oh he rounds one defender as he's kicking Michael Rooker in the ribs it's like shoot him or yeah. <laughs> shoot, shoot him uh, so yeah he's like I, I, I can't remember I don't even think he fucking says a fucking football yeah it probably is some fucking like oh I play for fucking no, it literally, FC it literally is that yeah. it literally is like 
oh, I had to retire probably because of a knee injury or back, whatever. Yeah, um, what happens to all, all the great exactly. athletes? Exactly. <laughs> um, I had to retire, but oh, I think in oh, is oh, there be a striker? His football or puns, fucking fuck your mum, FC. Oh, oh, the British character. Ooh, it was shit. Rangers Gabriel, Gabe, Walker and Jesse are dispatched to rescue their friend Hal Tucker and his girlfriend Sarah after Hal suffers a knee injury, which happens obviously to the best of us, knee injuries all around, yep. are stranded on a peak in the Colorado Rockies. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> so, what, what are we thinking about this? I fucking it's, love it's this. It's a bit fucking stupid. This, this, it... bit of fucking stupid of you fucking Hal bringing your fucking girlfriend who's never climbed before up to a fucking peak like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's a bad one on Hal. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, it was deserved what happens to her, but you can't put all of the blame <laughs> on Sylvester Stallone. Well, 100%. So as they're trying to rescue Sarah, part of the harness breaks. Uh, although Gabe is initially able to grab her, her glove hand slips out and she falls to her Ooh. death. Does How? she fall to her death, or hear me out? Oh, does she fall to her death with her stuffed, cuddly toy that she's up there climbing with? Because my god, we get a shot of that falling in slow motion. This is true. So, uh, I, I've, apparently, that wasn't uh, scripted, and they just caught that on camera because oh, cool. they had like a st- had a stuffed toy in there for whatever reason, and it fell out. And they're like, "Yeah, fuck it, keep That's it." That's a telltale sign yeah. of someone who's not ready to climb like the world's tallest cliff edge. <laughs> is if they have to take up Mr. Schnuffles for security. This is a very good point, Craig. Uh, with this, obviously with her death, how blames Gabe for Sarah's death and Gabe is overcome with guilt taking an extended leave of absence. Yep. Now, one of the funny things about this is a all the stunt work in this is fucking amazing. Yes. And it, this is kind of filmed pretty much for real. Like, there's not very much in terms of, like, uh, plates, you know, when they start... Back in the day, you know, you did the blue screen yeah. and then you had a, a plate on the, on the back of them. But one of the things was Sylvester Stallone's grip was so strong that the glove or so he was wearing wouldn't slip off <laughs> properly. Nice. So, okay. uh, Rennie Harland asked for her glove to be like, you know, two, three times too big for her. So if you do watch it back, it is quite a big glove. Right. And then they had to fill it full of Vaseline. Even with all that... It still wouldn't come off. <laughs> wow, that is so, that's impressive. That's impressive. Oh. Good, good, strong grip. Yeah, game horse steroids or not, that is impressive. <laughs> uh, so eight months later, time's gone by. Gabe returns to the ranger station to gather his remaining possessions and persuade Jesse to leave with him. Right, fair enough. Is it? Bit of a long, bit of a long time to leave your fucking half-eaten ham sandwich in your locker. And eight, Sorry, eight, where, have you, where, where, where have you been for eight months though that's, that's well, the that real is question. the real question a, a past um, past the ham sandwich analogy what well you know you, 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 you sometimes you have a half an eaten ham sandwich you put it in your drawer and you, 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 you close it so I'll have that for later eight months later you open up it's like oh fuck I remember I left that sandwich in there and then it's teeming with life I'm going to suggest that that's one of the worst analogies we've ever put on this show. It's not an analogy. It's just uh, a fact of life. Or have you ever have you ever had a protein shaker which you drank and then stuffed in your bag? Yes. And then you've completely forgotten yes. about it. And then weeks later you go, ah, oh, fuck, I've got to open this up. I suppose where we are yeah, that... with it is I've never once started a sandwich and not finished it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, this that that's also true as well. The absolute uh, bin of a man you are. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so yes, she, he comes back. He's like, hey, uh, I know I've not talked to you in six months, but uh, hey, want to run away with me? Oh fuck! Are we? Are we is this it? Is this going to be the next hour? Are you doing Sylvester Stallone? It might be. You just called me a bin of a man. I'll do whatever I can to annoy you now. <laughs> Um, yeah, he comes back and she's there, like rubbing down a horse, and she's got this great cabin. <laughs> I know, yeah. Doing, doing she's what? Brushing down the horse. Oh, brushing down the horse. She's okay, sucking well, off a uh, horse. Um, and <laughs> I've seen that before. <laughs> I put it to you that you sucked off an horse. Um, <laughs> and he comes back and says, "Hey, do you want to leave this perfect mountain life away from nothingness uh, to come with me? Who's definitely still <laughs> full of trauma He's and homeless. regret." Um, yeah. No. What the fuck are you definitely, talking definitely about? Definitely, he's uh, he, he's got some probably stress disorders. I think they probably all will after something like that. Um, but obviously, he's not dealt with it very well. I thought what was quite interesting. Obviously, he's a bit of a local celeb. So as he's driving to go see Jesse, uh, we get the two surfer dudes, <laughs> the two yes. skate dudes. Uh, we'll just call them Beavers and Butthead. Can we call one of them and... Arian David Duchovny? Uh, well, yeah, well, Aryan David Duchovny, uh, Hitler Youth David Duchovny. If David Duchovny had sex with Jake, uh, well, Jake Busey in The Frighteners or Gary Busey in Lethal oh, Weapon, uh, that's a good shot. That's a that's a fucking offshoot Busey if I ever saw one. <laughs> and ah, oh, brilliant offshoot Busey. Now, now the thing is, there's a common theme in this fucking movie that apparently everyone has like fucking perfect hearing. And can hear people talking over motors, helicopters, rotor blades, jet engines. Uh, and you can just have casual conversation while you're both driving down a fucking motorway slash highway, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, windows down. And just kind of casually having a little chat being like, oh, hey, Gabe, what are you doing back? And he's like, oh, hello, fellas. Ugh. Okay, stop then... like that. Two things. Number one, if we're going to talk about these surfer guys, we've got to give them their proper point break voices. And number two, I didn't realise that Gabe was played by George Takei. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, they're not looking at the road. And they're like, hey, Gabe, we're going to climb the mountain. Almost like John Cryer in Superman 4. Come on, man. It's, it's the perfect yeah, it's, day for it's, a it's, jump. It's point break fucking level of surfing yeah. dude-esque. Yeah, it's hey, man, yeah, dude. Almost Jason Muse-esque. Totally. Like, it's a bit like Snake from Simpsons. Yeah, dude. absolutely. There it is. Snake from yeah. The Simpsons and Aryan David Duchovny. So, with this, where are we at? Uh, Hal remains a bit bitter. Oh, fucking hell, I've really jumped over there. Uh, so, while they're there, they receive a distress call from a group of stranded climbers. Hal goes to locate the climbers, and Jesse's able to sway Gabe to help out. Hal, obviously remaining bitter towards Gabe over Sarah's death, at one point threatening to push Gabe off a ledge. Yeah, it was a cool shot. I liked the, like... Hitchcockian crane up from him holding mm. him up over the edge of the mountain. That was that was good stuff, Rennie. Keep it up. That was, and I would say this is probably one of the highlights of uh, of having Rennie Harlan as your director. He does a lot of those kind of good action shots, good crane shots, mm. and you can see that a lot in different movies, uh, especially Die Hard too. Now with this, uh, when they find the climbers, they discovered this dress call was a fake, <gasps> and are taken prisoner by the ruthless gang of international thieves led by the psychotic 
former military intelligence operative Eric Whelan, played by John Lithgow. Yes. So the setup for this whole God, wouldn't you know it? There's terrorists mm. on the mountain is fucking brilliant because yes. we're in some sort of money counting room uh, mm-hmm. with the hundred million dollars. Yes. And walrus so, mustache looking Travers <laughs> is taking it across country with D Day from Animal House. Good shout, very good shout. And they get a hitchhiker who is an FBI agent, I think. He, yes, he is FBI. And they FBI. the whole movie sets up that he's going to be the terrorist. What the FBI guy? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Brilliantly uh, I, done. Because I, I haven't seen this movie in fucking ages, and even I forgot that Rex Lynn is the actual fucking bad dude. Yeah. And then when we're on the plane, I was like, and then when he gets up and he kind of realizes something's going on, and then he pulls out a fucking Uzi or some shit, and then he's like, hey, he's trying to hijack, and he's a bit like, all right, okay, like, I see through this. And then he's like, oh, actually, he was the good guy. Fair play. Yeah, it's a really good argument for for why that Mel Gibson movie in The Simpsons should have had a dog with shady eyes. Because this guy <laughs> has shady eyes. I'm just like, well, he's definitely the villain. He looks shady. He Audiences does. are stupid. <laughs> I, I was fooled. Yeah, that's I was, what I mean. Uh, shady wall, eyes really sells, sells, you, sells you on someone. Um, <laughs> but So then the plan is to uh, Mission Impossible... Four, potentially send the money yeah. out the back of the plane and zip line with it and man this is a hell of a stunt so right with this this stunt is uh, world record breaking for the most expensive stunt performed and I, I'm not actually too sure about the name of the um, actual stuntman but I do know that he was paid one million dollars to perform this feat in real life. And so that was between a a McDonnell Douglas uh, DC-9, and that was uh, between mid-air transfer to a Lockheed Jetstar. So if you want to know anything about planes, that's the plane. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, fucking repels across two fucking planes in the air. That, Um, I mean, was so million dollars he was paid... So, so it was the the stunt was so dangerous that they couldn't get insurance for it. So they were like, right, we will pay you a million dollars to that's do amazing. this fucking stunt. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Uh, which you can imagine if you're fucking a um, insurance company. It's like, all right, so uh, you want to do what? <laughs> you want to fly fucking two planes attached together, and you want someone to climb in between them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. All the while they're pushing the uh, secret trapdoor button underneath the chair. <laughs> no, I mean that's great. That's commitment to the cause. If the insurance company's like no, and you're still forking out the million, man, mm. imagine that guy though. The fucking nuts on him when he lands it. Well, that uh, he's in the he then ends up in the Guinness Book of World Records for that stunt, which I think is pretty cool. That's awesome. Good for him. That's pretty cool. Good, very good for him. Well done to you, mysterious stuntman. <laughs> Uh, um, but <laughs> so the stuntman makes it across the money comes along oh but so well, John Lithgow set up a, well so. John, John Lithgow set up a kind of the joker I kill the pilot you kill the stuntman I kill the fucking security guard everyone kills mm, everybody sort of thing there is a bit of that yes. and um, they send the money out but the one guy they kept alive was Shady Eyes FBI who mm. oozies the pilot 
Yes. Uzi's one of uh, John Lithgow's men from the like the the fact that he doesn't factor in wind speed in this shot that he takes on the plane. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose you would, wouldn't I? I, I would not know. At an absolute, it's so fast. Yeah, I would not know the physics behind shooting a bullet out of a plane. But he fucks up yeah. the hydraulics and then the bomb, he, he stops the money from getting there. The bomb goes off mm. and now we're at mini 25 because we're an actor of the movie. We need to go <laughs> get that money. So the, again, uh, so doors open on the plane. Everyone's having a pretty casual conversation. Fucking, you know, 100 mile winds passing, like the fucking roaring of the jets. Uh, the window has been blown out now as well. And it's just like, hey, hello, how are you doing, sir? Yes, uh, just have a quick casual conversation by this fucking open jet door. <laughs> yes, you were supposed to send over my money. What happened? Well, I yeah. thought you wouldn't, uh, if I'd start to send the money first, you wouldn't wait for me. His whole thing is that, uh, this is Travers, is that he um, doesn't trust John Lithgow. And he has uh, yeah. every right not to. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's one of those things where you're like, yeah, yeah, actually, that's pretty smart. That's uh, exactly probably what I'd be thinking as well. It's like, it, it, you know, try and make yourself useful to some extent to uh, long enough for you to get some of the money. Yeah. Right. So you're right. Plane blows up. Everything goes down. So the escape plans backfired when supposedly dead FBI agent shoots and damages hydraulics, as you mentioned, sending the plane crashing into the mountains. They now require Gabe and Hal's help to locate the cases, the help of beacon locators. So remember that, beacon locators. Beacon locators, you've got it. Cool. <laughs> uh, at gunpoint, Hal and Gabe lead them to their first case, located upwards on a steep rock face. Gabe is tethered and forced to climb up the face to reach the case. But when Qualin or Qualin, how do you pronounce it? It's Qualin. 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 Here's Qualin. Uh, plans to have Gabe killed once he's got the case. Hal warns him not to come down, but Delmer pulls him back and holds him at gunpoint. Qualin then orders Kynitz. Kynitz? 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 Black dude. Yeah, Leon. Uh, uh, Leon. Uh, cool runnings. Uh, one of the thieves to try and yank him down, prompting Gabe to sever the rope. Quaylen orders then one of the thieves to open fire on Gabe, causing an avalanche that kills one of their members. And then when they see the money from the first case fluttering away, Quaylen believes Gabe is dead and orders how to lead them onwards. Yeah, so this is fine. And this is kind of what I talked mm. about with the whole, like, it's exhilarating and then it becomes not exhilarating because this is the mm. first time where Michael Rook has been there going, no, no, they're terrorists, no. Yeah. And save Sylvester Stallone's life. But then he tries it again with the fucking Arian David Duchovny and oh, no, yeah. uh, Point Break. Yeah. And he, and it fails. So half mm-hmm. fails. Then he tries it again with Frank and it really fails. So, <laughs> yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah. But so they give Michael Rook kind of one thing to do, but getting steadily worse at it. And then he becomes a hero and kicks the shit out of Craig Fairbrass. Or, well, we'll get mm. to it. But uh, it just felt like they did one thing really well and then went, well, we can do it again, but different. And then we can do it again, but yeah. different slightly again. And it became a bit meh. I, I get what you're saying. One of the things that I thought with that is that these criminals are letting him run his mouth quite a lot. Yes. Uh, enough to obviously 
uh, tell uh, Sylvester Stallone Walker to they're going to kill you when they come back down. And it's also a little bit dumb. It's the it's the sort of uh, you know when you talk about the fallacy of the talking villain. Yeah. When um, you got Lithgow uh, telling Rooker, it's like oh we don't need two of you. We only need one uh, guide for this mountain. And then he's like, oh, shit. Oh, fucking Walker, fucking leg it. Yeah. And then there is, bit like, so there yeah. is a really cool moment before this then. It's really subtle. Mm. That um, he calls Travers Travers. And Travers like, mm. don't use my name, god damn it. And he oh, just yes. gives him a look. And that look mm. is entirely, it doesn't matter. I'm going to murder them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah he, oh, yeah, yeah. Great shot. And he gives yeah, that yeah, same like look. Uh, which is why in the next scene, Travers calls him Quaylen because like oh, it doesn't matter. He gives that same mm. look to Leon later, and Leon blasts those kids away. And it's it that's that sort of stuff. I was like, re- like well done. You thought it through. Good that's job. Some good writing. It like really that. is. But then good Sylvester good Stallone doesn't get hypothermia and climbs up to the cabin. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is one of my big gripes of this movie. Is like that dude is running around on a mountaintop for what it feels like fucking forever in a fucking t-shirt. It's like, dude, like. Fair enough, he runs into the cabin and he gets in and he's obviously having a bit of a shiver and shit like that, but he sh- like you know, shakes it off for lack of a better term. Um, one of the things I did like today is uh, Lifgal's line is like, oh, um, I hope your friend like, appreciates the fact that he had one of the most expensive funerals ever. Yeah, good line. Love that. And I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Cool line. Good writing. I like it. So, as mentioned, uh, Gabe races ahead to find Jesse at an abandoned cabin. They recover old mountaineering gear, it's about 60 years old apparently, uh, to reach the second case before Quaylen does. By the time Quaylen <laughs> arrives, Gabe and Jesse have emptied the case and left only a single bill with a taunting message on a trade. So, two notes about this. Mm-hmm. Number one, I really liked how Michael Rooker told Jesse where he was going. Because he says, like, we're on uh, Devil's Pass. I'll meet you at the cabin at the top of Widow Creek or something. She's like, Mm. well, that doesn't make any sense. I'd best get involved in the movie. That's really (laughs) good. Yes. She is then, after that, no longer involved in the movie until she becomes Mm. kidnapped. Yeah, until she becomes cabin father. Nothing. Yeah. She's Um, very much the damsel in distress in this movie. Yeah, it's really bad because, like,. She's right there. She's a mountain climber. She knows the terrain. She can fly a helicopter. I'm sure she can shoot a gun. Fucking Sarah Connor wouldn't stand for this. (laughs) Uh, Depends which Sarah Connor we're looking at. Oh, I'm talking at Terminator 2's Linda Hamilton. Yes. uh, She would not have it. Yeah. Quite rightly say. Um, What I didn't like, and this is, again, so obviously Rennie Harlan did Long Kiss Goodnight, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is littered with comedy because there's one thing that uh shane black wrote that right yeah he did write that one thing that he can do is blend action with comedy fucking perfectly yes and if you look at die hard it's that perfect blend of action and comedy and sylvester stallone or whomever yeah it's, it's black humor yeah. yeah it's a dark kind of you know obviously having a, a light heart moment in very you know strenuous time absolutely but then sylvester stallone or whomever wrote this script and went Hey, you know what would be really funny? If he built a mm. snowman. 
Yeah, how quick do you think he could build a snowman? That was a tall ass snowman. My point is, is don't waste <laughs> your fucking time building a snowman. There is so much at stake here. It's the psychological warfare that's going on right now to taunt these people. This is why it's Rambo on ice. Right, this is the thing. It's uh, not Rambo it's... on ice because at no point in Rambo does he fucking give a wood carving to Brian Dennehy. He carves yeah, okay. some spikes to kill some motherfuckers, <laughs> but at no point is he like, the carbon here kind of looks like a rainbow. Um, what that fucking snowman, honestly, I got so angry. <laughs> angry at the snowman, I love it. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Thank you, councillor. Uh, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, with that, uh, Quaylen orders his men to split up, allowing Gabe to dispatch two more of Quaylen's men. Yep. Gabe attempts to call help from Frank. They rescued the helicopter pilot on one of the mercenaries' radios, but how alerts him to explosives Quaylen has rigged above the mountain. Jesus, are we, are we already there? No, we can't. Here we are. There's a couple of things we can't... Unless I'm misremembering... Uh, the first thing we can't forget is the fucking bobsledding someone's face down a mountain. <laughs> yes, that, that's one of you know. As I, well, I was going to get there. Okay, so uh, you said dispatch two of his men, and yes, that that, that is what happened. But yes, uh, so with that, uh, fucking messing up my. You fucking yeah, but it's fine. Shit. It was included, so it's retroactive. Yeah, here we go. Come back from fucking Norway, fucking coming around here, fucking. <laughs> Uh, Gabe and Jesse escaped the falling debris in time. Right, now let's talk about fucking cunt getting snowboard down a mountain. Alright, sounds good. Um, yeah, man, that was intense. The prosthetics <laughs> on his face, awesome. Yes. One of these guys, isn't he a villain in The Mask? Maybe. I'm pretty sure he's one of the villains in The Mask, the one that Milo pees on at the end. Mm, hey, it's, like, a, it's a deep pull oh, out. Maybe you're right. He he kind okay, of, he also kind of looks like Bob from Batman '89. Mm, I would have to do a lot more research, sure. <laughs> which I'm not going to do right now in the middle of an episode. Understood. Cool. Uh, yeah, so he Bob sends <laughs> this guy down the mountain. He yep. flies off, and mm-hmm. West Alone saves himself at the last minute with the pickaxe in the snow. He does. And, That's a pretty cool shot. And the shot of the dude falling into the black chasm of nothingness is great. Mm, I like that as It's well. good visuals. We're still in the first night of cliff, the cliffhanger kind of two-day romp. And I'm there as an audience member going, yeah, cool. That's that's really great. Someone falling to their death uh, in a kind of cinematic, cinematically stylistic way. Give me more. Yes. <laughs> and they don't. Yeah, that's true. It, it does become, I wouldn't say slapstick from here, but it's definitely a... Um, there are a lot of avoidable deaths. Yeah, I, I, I 100% know what you mean by that. Because you just kind of feel like the, again, the fallacy of the talking villain, especially when Rooker dispatches uh, poor man's Vinnie Jones. Oh, interesting, because I'd say that Leon's got the fallacy of the talking villain more. Oh no, hundred percent he does as well. But this is what I mean. It's like it's quite a theme within this where you just yeah. a bit like, look, mate, just fucking kill him. You know what I mean, but obviously if he killed him, that'd be movie done. Yeah, so that's not going to happen. 
So uh, you're right. Uh, morning breaks. Uh, Gabe and Jesse beat Quaid into the last case. Meanwhile, the mercenaries flag down Frank in the helicopter. But by the time he realizes it's a trap, it's too late, and he's fatally shot by Delma. While hugging Frank's body, Hal discreetly grabs Frank's knife. Remember, okay. Frank's knife. Okay, so I don't want to derail you. But, derail ahead. But we have but. missed, and I briefly mentioned it earlier, uh, the execution of David Coffney and the other, and Point Break 2.0. Oh, I fucking, yes. Uh, do you know what? Because somebody was fucking derailing me, I completely skipped over a fucking paragraph, didn't I? But look how it brought us back, so see? Teamwork. You brought us right back into it. So, turning back in time, <laughs> elsewhere... When Hal sees two friends, Evan and Brett, there we go, they have names, he warns them before Quaylen orders his men to open fire. Brett is killed, oh no, uh, while Evan is wounded, though he manages to ski off. Uh, and he skis off the mountain. No, he doesn't ski, he base jumps. He does base jumps, so I don't know why he's written how he skis off. Oh, uh, bad note taking. Derail. Derail. <laughs> uh, uh, so then a night falls. Wait, who, then, who, um, who, um, sorry, who dies first? Who dies? Brett or? Uh, I believe it is Brett. Okay, Brett's death terrified me as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the, why is that? The sounds of the bullet going into his back, the explosions of the red squibs coming out. As a kid, mm. I was like, fuck. And I suppose because as a kid, they were the two characters that I related to the most because they're the youngest. Yeah. And to see them wiped out, I was like, oh, man, these are real bad guys. And <laughs> God, I would have run and jumped, right? Right? And they were the characters I put myself in the shoes of and went, I'm not safe. Like, it's it's a real that real mm. psychology of it all where you can relate to the character and therefore you're more in the movie. That yeah. death got me. Um, Frank's death, not so much. And Evan's base jump off was always... <laughs> yeah, the old guy, fuck him, he, his time was up. Was it Paul Whitman or something? I think it was Paul Whitman. I don't know who Paul Whitman is, it just says, and Paul Whitman, <laughs> and I'm there going, it's probably him. It's probably him. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> they kill Frank, Frank hands Rook of the Knife, <sighs> and here's where did it you, is. Uh, did, did you notice that when uh, Evan jumped off the mountain when he did his base jumping, as you so rightly said, mm. uh, did you spot the colours of the parachute? Was it a union flag? Was it a reference to... <laughs> it was not James Bond. No, it was oh. not. Uh, um, what nationality is Rennie Harlan? Oh, is, is he Swedish? So is it yellow and blue? Uh, okay, I'm pretty sure he's Finnish. Oh, Finnish, blue and white then. Okay. He is Finnish. I was yeah, right. Yeah, good job. Oh, thank you. I, I did my minimal research into this movie. Uh, so, yes, they were Finnish colours. They were Finnish colours on the parachute. Nice. I like that. That's subtle. That's nice. It is a bit subtle. Apparently, uh, a, a, a little trope of uh, Rennie Harlan is that he always uh, puts a Finnish flag in his movies. Nice. Um, so we're now into the territory of <sighs> because we need to up the stakes, but you mm-hmm. we also need to. This is screenwriting terms where you need to up the stakes. Um, yeah. The ticking clock needs to come into it, and also you need to kill off more bodies because otherwise there's going to be too many people at the end for Sylvester Stallone to kill. This is true. This so is very true. John Lithgow just kills his girlfriend. He does. I call. I felt this is quite unnecessary, and it was just almost a way of being like, "Look at me, I'm a fucking psycho." 
how can I make myself seem even more sadistic? It's like, right, oh, only one of us can now fly. It's like, well, you know, like, was she... John, it, 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 just, it just didn't make any sense because at the same time, it's like, all right, okay, I'm the only fucking guy that can fly off the planet. But it would still have that, that chip if you were like, there's still, there's only two of us can fly you off. There's only going to be one of us, but ne- neither of us are going to fucking do what you want. Yeah, the only It's the reason, same bargaining power. The whole reason his plan fails, I mean, mm. apart from the fact that they left the FBI guy alive with the shifty eyes, is that he has a strong aversion to the number two because he can't have two climbers, there can't be two pilots. If he'd not tried mm. to kill Sylvester Stallone, it would have been good night, Irene, for everybody. It would have been fine. <laughs> but he yes. like, no, I need to up the stakes, so ha ha ha. And wouldn't you know it, he got away. And again, oh, I need to not, uh, I need to kill my pilot girlfriend, ha 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 ha. And wouldn't you know it, Michael Rooker gets away. And it's, I, I know that he kills Craig Fairbanks, yeah. but he wouldn't have survived if she was part of that fight too. And mm. it just became a bit nonsensical. Yeah, I felt that as well. I, I, I suppose like only one thing, maybe one saving grace is there is that line where I'm, I'm not too sure who utters it, but one of them dies, uh, I think quite early on. And then they're like, well, it just means it's more for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not him that says that. I think that might be Leon yeah. or someone else, but essentially it's, um, I mean, it's a cool... He needs to go to hospital quickly and pushes him out of the airplane. That was cool. (laughs) But that guy was already dying. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Because there's no... There's definitely no one among thieves in this sense. But look, Gary Oldman doesn't kill off Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley? Yeah. Uh, Or he doesn't even, like, threaten to kill Xander Berkeley uh, in Air Force One. Like, they're all on the same team and they goddamn almost make it. The president has to be better than them. They don't turn against themselves, which is why this film mm. is just a bit like, oh, that's a shame. Like, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone could have done more, yeah, but they yeah. took it away from him. That's very true. So as the mercenaries do split up to look for the other case, uh, Hal is able to use that very knife that he took off Frank to wound Delmar after he gives his fucking rundown of his football career <laughs> and kills him with his own shotgun and escapes Nass. So elsewhere, Hal finds Gabe, and together they kill Travis, who is now insane after finding out that Gabe managed to get the last case before him. Now, I, I, again, half... I don't want to derail you. Yeah. We need to talk about Leon's death. Yes, so I was just going to say, let's, let's backtrack onto that. Okay. So talk to me about Leon's death then. Okay. So here we go. Sylvester Stallone pokes up his head out of the ice like Bugs Bunny get you know taking a wrong turn at Albuquerque. Yes. After they've come across bats in a cave. Yes. And this is obviously the Batman origin story. Absolutely. And Jessie, even though she's a trained and seasoned mountaineer, she was a woman in 1993. So all she could do <laughs> in that instance was fucking scream. Thanks a lot, screenplay. And. Yes. They get to the bats, and she, her first thing is like, "Scream! Get out of here!" <sighs> okay, so that happened. Wouldn't you? Like, you know mate, what? I, fucking, I would. I, I I fucking leave the flat if I see a spider, and I'm like, I, I hand Helen like a knife, and I'm like, "Cool, I go for it." <laughs> absolutely would, one hundred percent. But I am not a trained and seasoned fucking 
mountaineer. Yeah, I suppose that's that's a little bit different, but it it would be it would make it would make less sense if she was like afraid of heights. You know what I mean? It would make but less bats, sense, but but bats on the other sense is like well, she's not a she's a mountain climber, not a not cave a bat explorer. doctor. <laughs> well, that you know what I mean? So she's not, yeah, no, she's not I, like... she falls into the same category as uh, the female from uh, Indiana Jones: Temple of Doom. Mm, it's yeah. just screaming for help and screaming for help and not getting involved again Sarah Connor wouldn't stand for it so they then climb up the crack within the top of the mountain pokes yeah. his head up Leon has him dead to rights and starts walking towards him monologuing giving yes. Sylvester Stallone the chance to pull his arm through in slow motion and slash open Leon's thigh then drop yes. down 100 feet and not receive an injury <laughs> I don't know if it was 100 feet, but it was a bit of a steep drop. Yeah. If you'd have seen him kind of pin pinballing off of the terrain, that would yeah. have been good. But instead, you just see him straight shoot down this kind of jagged pass and yeah. land on his face. It's like, okay. It's like the uh, it's like the Black Widow thing, you know, when she falls down the building and hits like every vent on the way down, so she survives. Is this That's... the movie Black Widow? It might as well be. No, but um... is it in the movie Black Widow or is it in one of the other Marvels? Oh no! It's in the uh, it's in the Black Widow movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah, you haven't not seen no. it. Uh, well, you're not missing too much. Okay. <laughs> um, and so he falls. Leon goes after them, and we get a fight. And the fight essentially is Jesse kicking Leon in the face so, because that's mm-hmm. the clever trap that Sylvester Stallone set up. There was yep. no chance for him to make a snowman in time. And Jesse then getting punched once, called a bitch three times. Mm, and there's a lot of use of the B word. Doing a- yeah, doing absolutely nothing to help this in this fight. That is just a waste of a character. Now, how big do you think that guy is? How, how big is Cool Runnings? I mean, he's probably got a 28-inch waist. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't need to know the uh, measurements of his hips. Okay. Uh, I was talking more about his overall mass. Oh right. Uh, I don't know. Probably eighty keys. Eighty keys. Uh, okay. He's, I, yeah, he's lean. He's lean. So I'd I'd maybe put him in the slightly higher cat. I would say he might be in the mid eighties, maybe low nineties. Okay, so. I'll take it. And with yeah, all the gear on as well, ninety-five. Okay, let's see. Meet in the middle. Eight, uh, eighty-five. Cool kilograms all right so 85 kilograms now how much can you press above your head Craig? strict or push uh let's just say for argument's sake let's say strict okay 78 and a half 78 and a half mm. oh, okay cool all right i was doing some shoulder pressing uh the other day and i was kind of repping out uh for a couple of reps around about 70 as well nice. so i was uh, getting back in the gym you know a couple of weeks off you know and um and with that, I can't imagine then pressing someone above my head. And bear in mind, obviously, we, we're using a bar when we do. Yeah, we're not okay. pushing you through us. Not only have you got the weight of someone, but you've also got the force of a stalactite, which aren't notoriously sharp. No, and the thing is with... Have, have you ever tried pressing a human pe- like a human being? Uh, have, have you ever tried, like, you know, sort of manhandling like not in, I'm talking like rugby where you might have to like you know pick someone up and dump them or something like that I'm I'm talking like like have you ever tried to bench a human person have you ever tried to press someone over your head I have tried to bench else? someone yes yeah 
it's difficult because the like, weight displacement's different. Hundred percent, and especially as well is I bet when that person, when you were benching them, you were telling them to stay still, Absolutely. engage your them, core, lock the legs. Yeah, hundred percent. Plank it in, yeah. basically. Now imagine if we were struggling having a fight. Do you think then, as soon as I pick you up, you are going to then uh, brace your core and hold yourself in a stiff plank position well, so that no, I can? No, because you could only do seventy, and I'm fucking thirty percent more <laughs> uh, more heavy than that. Alright, but what I'm saying is, in theory, you're probably going to wriggle around a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not going to make it easy for me. And am I going to have not only enough force to be able to push you above my head, but then push you into a very blunt traffic cone hanging upside down? You know what I mean? Yes. This is the uh, fucking basement tape student indie version where we can't afford a cave. We just got a basement and fucking (laughs) glue and traffic cones. I love it. I think we should make it. And no, you couldn't. Remember when we had that idea that we were going to do some videos like that? We were going to do Could Could You Do It? Uh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, almost we like the fucking do... podcast Mythbusters. Yeah, and we were going to... I think we were going to start off with Escape from LA, weren't we? And we were going to see if we could do the basketball court scene. Yeah, I'd like to maybe get that in before Christmas. Or yeah. far enough after Christmas that I'm not at Christmas weight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think maybe in the new year, maybe we'll, we'll do some Instagram shit. Sounds we'll try good. and uh, we'll, we'll hook up. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, but but can I just say, this is the last thing, because we talked about the uh, fallacy of the talking villain. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Leon is there being like, oh, don't worry, I'm going to kill your bitch and teach that bitch how much <laughs> she's a bitch, bitch, bitch. But before that, he very much said, <laughs> I'm only going to ask you this. Three times. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Ask him it once and then shoot him. Like. Yeah, but it's 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 like the guy in fucking Austin Powers, isn't it? Like Will Ferrell. It's oh, like you can only, Yeah, yeah. Because he, if you ask him a question three times, he has to tell the truth. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like damn, three times. Do you think Sylvester Stallone saw the early drafts of Austin Powers? Like, hey, that gives me a good idea. Clickety click. Fucking, Maybe. I'm gonna ask. I'm only gonna ask you this three times. Oh, yeah. He deserved to get pushed through a traffic. Where's Doctor Evil's secret layer? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Doctor Evil hiding? Damn, three times. Uh, so then, yeah, we're into show uh, finale showdown territory. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, killing uh, Travis and bringing him under the ice. Oh no, we didn't. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, so fucking will be. Somehow Sylvester Stallone ends up under the ice. Yeah, so we, he, he doesn't. So he's under the bridge, and then as he jumps up to grab Travis by the ankles, uh, as he tries to pull him through, he then breaks through the ice himself. Yep. Which is a bit of like a, duh, and then Travis kind of follows him around as you can see him under the ice. Takes his fucking sweet time to aim his gun. Um, but at the same time, I was thinking, well, as soon as you shoot Travis, you're going to go underneath the ice as well. So, I don't know, maybe. Wait, then wait, Sylvester fun- Stallone, you mean? Or- well, because well, uh, Travis is standing on, on top, on on the ice, looking at Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. So as he's pointing his gun down, yeah. oh, I, I was see thinking, what you're well, saying. Yeah, yeah. as soon as you shoot, you're probably going to break the ice. But also... This whole scene lost its threat because, A, there's no way that Sylvester Stallone's getting killed by Travis. He couldn't even kill a bunny rabbit a minute ago. 
This is very and true. And B, yeah, this... Silver Sloan, fucking chill under the water because you've already not died of hypothermia. You're fine. So, did you know that in the original actual film, um, so that this film went through a few reshoots and things like quite expensive reshoots, uh-huh. and one of the most expensive reshoots was that bunny scene. Brilliant. So, um, apparently, test audiences hate uh, th- their version that they got. Uh, Travis actually shoots the bunny. <laughs> but because test audiences hated it so much, Sylvester Stallone actually paid out of his own pocket $100,000 to have extensive reshoots. And what those extensive reshoots were, who knows? I mean... But uh, why would it cost $100,000? <laughs> who knows? Well, okay, so I suppose it would potentially cost $100,000 because you've got to get the same crew up into the mountains for not just one day, but at least two. You've got to mm. pay permits and rentals. But also, just fucking... Well, why would you have to go back up in the fucking mountains? Why wouldn't you just go to a studio? That's it, and yeah. Go, can... go into someone's yeah. yard with a big batch of flour and go to the pet store. Like, it's cool. Yeah. That's, That's I, insane. I, I'm not too sure about that. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's dead, and John Lithgow is the last person alive, so he definitely needs... Jessie is a hostage. Well, she gets on the top of the mountain. She weighs down the helicopter. Obviously, having quite a nice little chat to a fucking helicopter, yeah. going, "Hi, Frank. It's me. I'm here. I'm here, Frank." Thinking, obviously, Quaylen's Frank. But you're like, "It's a fucking helicopter. How you, 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 you might as well be fucking screaming with a megaphone, like you know what yeah. I mean." But it's still, you're still never gonna fucking hear. So like, but also, like, like when you see him, he points his gun at you. Run! He's in a helicopter. Yeah, he's got one. He's got one thing. decision: F- flight did... or flight. And he will 100%. pick flight. And she's just like, "Oh, you got me." And it's like, I would love to actually know the logistics of how accurate you could get a gun, a pistol, through a windscreen while you're flying a fucking helicopter. That is a fucking drive-by and a half. We if see. You could pull that shot off. We see the same thing happen in the Long Kiss Goodnight when Gina Davis gets kidnapped by, I want to say, Timothy. Um, mm. But he's in the back of the helicopter, not flying it, carrying a sniper rifle. Yes. So, John true. Lithgow, if you would have just not shot your girlfriend, this would have been absolutely fine. But no, now we have to have mm. the Jesse character just be stupid. This Question mark, for fuck's sake. It was so annoying. Um, so, yeah. with this, uh, Gabe and Howe agree that they meet at a cliffside bridge uh, to exchange the money. The third case at the highest elevated rendezvous point. Uh, so, obviously, Quaylen is threatening to kill Jesse. Uh, with this, uh, Quaylen tries to challenge Gabe into throwing the case into the helicopter, but he also then threatens to kill Jesse again. Gabe orders Quaylen to free her at a safe distance away from the cliff. Quaylen reluctantly agrees and uses a winch to lower Jesse to the ground. Once Jesse is safely down, however, Gabe throws the bag of money into the helicopter's rotors, shredding the money. In a rage, Quaylen attempts to use the helicopter to kill Gabe, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, yep. So I, I understand that. You know, with a helicopter, you can point it down in such a way and uh, sort of essentially hover it across the ground in, in that manner and get, almost get the rotor blades to cut. You know, so it's a, you can. But if you're going to do that, you, you do that on a flat surface, you're not going to do that on a mountaintop. You know no, I'm sorry, I mean? you do but, it in a James Bond movie, you don't do it in Cliffhanger. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it it seems like you're probably going to fuck that helicopter up more than anything else. <coughs> uh, I, I, I kind of get maybe in a fit of rage that you're probably not thinking straight, but I think you've been... I'm not going to fly this fucking helicopter into the fucking ground just to, to kill uh, this guy. So with that, uh, Gabe uses the winch cable to tether the helicopter to a steel ladder up on the cliff face. How arrives and helps via shooting the helicopter down. Good, like, fucking amount of help that did. That did fucking nothing. Uh, it's just, like, pumping away in a shotgun. And then it's like, ding, ding, ding. And it's like, okay, great. Well done. Now fuck off. So the ladder snaps and leaves Gabe and Quaylen atop the wreckage of the helicopter hanging by the cable. It just felt a bit like, yeah, okay. Yeah, all mm. right. We need to end this yeah. James Bond movie somehow. It remind, it, yeah, Mission Impossible Fallout's copied it, and maybe this was the yeah. original one, but I feel like we've probably mm. seen it in an episode of Airwolf. So, <laughs> good shout. Love you know, Airwolf. it was just a bit like, yeah, okay, because John Lithgow isn't winning a fight against Sylvester Stallone. I don't care what the odds yeah. are. That is true. Uh, so Gabe fights Quaylen and manages to climb to uh, safety as the wreckage snaps off and the cable sending Quaylen to his death. Yeah. Now I felt <laughs> this is where I almost I quite laughed at uh, Lithgow's uh, reaction. So he's kind of like looking at you know that meme of William Defoe and he's like the back of the car yeah. and he kind of gives that kind of like the <gasps> yeah. And then when it hit the ground, because that's a miniature, yeah, right? and it's a really well done miniature, but it felt like very underwhelming still. Do you know? What I- mean? It's do like, know what you mean and again this is me this is the, all of the last half of this film was me looking and being like oh this reminds me of another film oh this reminds me of another film this mm. reminds me of Tremors fair but the thing I think the problem with this movie obviously this movie's been parodied to death yeah. um, like the one that springs to Ace mind Ventura. is Ace Ventura yeah. yeah 100% and you kind of think then that people like as much as this has been a trope action movie there's probably a lot of this action that's been then copied and repeated and rinsed and yeah it's, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a shame that's done that because watching back on this movie i think i i, I think you're 100 right i think about like two thirds of the movie like the first two acts are actually really compelling it's like quite it's quite, i'd actually say fairly well written uh there seems to be a lot of good motivation uh some uh bit of character development kind of getting to uh, the idea of who some of these characters are, but then they kind of just fall into those, uh, like I would say, like stereotypes, those cartoon character esque types at towards the yeah. third act. Yeah, and you just kind of go, mm, yeah, okay, the movie's kind of lost me because you're just like, right, let's wrap this, let's get this bird in the air, sort of thing. Um, and it, you, you don't really feel like you get that level of closure in the movie as well because. No. Um, the fucking treasury agents turn up and then howls on the radio. They have their little bit of bants and it's like, like I'm old, you're old, fuck you. Ah. And then and then they're just on the mountaintop and they're just waiting and it's like roll credits. And you're a bit like, mm, okay. Yeah, so there's a few good things I want to bring up that we not mentioned. Go uh, that was the end of the movie. I haven't derailed you again, have I? No, no, that is, cool. uh, yeah, I roll credits. Brilliant, cool. So number one, the treasury agents going on the hunt for Travis and the black box and the money is good because that means that at the end of the movie when the three of them are sat on the mountaintop pretty much dead, uh, there's no question of like, and how do they get down? The treasury agents find them with the walkie-talkies. Cool. 
Sylvester mm. Stallone's first jump when he climbs up to find the curse case uh, and he's hanging there and he springs off of the mountain up and catches the next rock up. Whether that was Stallone or yeah. a stuntman, awesome. Uh, that was very much the stuntman. Cool. That was very much the, the rock climbers. Yeah, that was awesome. And yeah, that was very I awesome. remember being, as a kid, like watching it now, I remembered me as a kid being like, whoa. Um mm. The well, funny, funny you say that because there was a there was a lot of stunts that got cut out of the movie because they were so superhuman. One of them being, um, I think, like at some point, Sylvester Stallone is running away from somebody, and he, oh, you know, the bit where he's running away from, I want to say it is, is either Travers or it's Vinnie. Is Jones. this where he does the Rambo jump out of the tree? He does the Rambo uh, jump into the tree, into the tree sorry, doesn't yeah. he? And he rolls down the cliff. Yeah. Right now. What actually happens in the original film uh, before it all got changed is that he jumps like 40 feet onto like another mountain. Right. And obviously just like clings on. Which is another stunt <laughs> they did like, in Vertical Limit. Chris O'Donnell does that stunt. I think he does something similar to it. Uh, but uh, apparently test audiences were like, were laughing. Because yeah. they're just like, it's so unbelievable. Yeah, that the same thing um, happened with The Rock and the... What's it? What's the towering inferno rock movie? Oh, I yeah, it's I know what you're talking about. It's not Rampage. It's it's the other one. It begins with S and um, skyscraper. Skyscraper. Something yeah, like cool. It might just be called skyscraper. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's 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 silly. Um, but I want to say talk well, about like it, it. Wait, was it a real stunt? Did someone actually do it? Uh, I don't think someone jumped 40 right. feet onto another mountain, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and the other bit I just want to mention that uh, I really liked was... So at the beginning of the movie, uh, Sylvester Stallone obviously drops the woman. I can't remember her name. Uh, uh, Annie? Sarah? Sarah? Yeah, Sarah. And then later on in the movie, he's climbing up the side of the mountain with Jesse and gets into that mm. same situation where he's holding onto her by a glove. Oh, yes. And subtlety and nuance oh he loves her so much he's never gonna let her fall and drags her back to safety disregarding the mm. fact he hasn't been climbing in six months well you don't know you don't always be up to he's... he could have been literally working on his grip strength and his pull up that's it for yeah eight six months. months of him just with that mm. hand grip but no it exactly. was it was really nice the kind of you didn't need them afterwards to be like of course I didn't drop you. I love you. It was like, all right, because I saw you drop the other woman and you didn't love her. This is the one you See, Maybe he was having an affair with her and he needed to, like, you know, just be like, oh, he's this crazy bitch that's it hanging off. It did sound and, like they oh. were having an affair when she's like, are we still on for dinner tonight? Yeah, there you go. See, maybe there's a bit of a dark tone. Villain. Yeah. All right. Um, but ultimately, I agree with you 100%. First three quarters, first two thirds, really well mm. done, engaging. Things were happening that I wasn't, that weren't repeats. In the final quarter of the final third, uh, I checked out a bit. And yeah. so, obviously, you watched the movie where you are. I watched it here with my housemate, David, uh, mm -hmm. who's a big Cliffhanger fan. And we were talking about kind of what I said to you earlier you don't get. Air Force, you know, oh, sorry, you get Air Force One is Die Hard on a plane, because Die Hard yeah. on a whatever is kind of the trope. It's the it's the thing to base action movies on. So we yeah. came up with what we thought would be a great pitch for if Klinghanger really was a Die Hard movie. Would you like to hear it? I I'm going to hear it and then I'm going to tell you something afterwards. Okay, 
Tell me your thing first, because I feel like it's just going to... So they were going to make a sequel to this movie. Okay. And this was going to be the same character, and it was going to roll into a Die Hard-esque movie. Okay. So it was going to take place on a dam. Okay. And it was going to be... Um, Fucking what's his name? Walker fighting a bunch of terrorists. Right. On on a dam. So, so. Nah, pass. pass. Pass on that. Because they obviously passed on that sequel. Sylvester Stallone. I think he tried to actually revive that project around about like two thousand eight or something. Okay. Like that. And then, no avail. But uh, um, go on. Here, Pitch here it is. I'm in the elevator. Okay. John McClane yeah. goes on a marriage counselling couples honeymoon not a couples honeymoon but a marriage counselling weekend retreat with Holly McLean where it's all about trust yeah. exercises and John let go of your let, let go of your wife or reach out and grab her uh, she she needs you to save her John Say, just like she needs you to save your marriage that sort of shit and he's there kind of taking off his shoes and walking around and going piece of bullshit come out to the mountains sit in front of a fire have a few laughs fuck this at the same time terrorists arrive to to uh, steal because they've stolen money from a nearby gold mining mountain okay I was going to say they're going to go rob the marriage council they're going to rob the gold (laughs) in the mountain and commit heinous war crimes alright okay war crimes against gold in the mountain okay with you you know uh, (laughs) heinous crimes at least they're going to murder people for gold then they crash with I'm not not sure that's a war crime I I misspoke then they crash in the mountains (laughs) at that same mountain where John McClane is and they take Holly McClane as a hostage and suddenly he's got to step up once again to save his um... once again well he yeah I mean he saved up he saved Holly McClane in Die Hard 1 come on he did. Uh, he's got a s- and and two to to be and fair. And two, well. absolutely. Yeah, she yeah. nearly and then she leaves him in three. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he steps up. Marriage counselling, gold mining, uh, gold mine murdered. Plane crashes in the mountains. Holly Gennaro slash McLean gets kidnapped and taken hostage. And John McLean has to scale the mountain tops to save his wife. All the while, there's gold involved. Okay. All right. Boom. So is. So that's the die-hard version of Cliffhanger. Absolutely. Yeah? And I think it's the best movie pitch we've heard today. I will accept nothing less. <laughs> it's the only pitch we've well, heard. Well, no, because we also uh, heard the movie pitch for Cliffhanger 2 and for there was something on a train earlier. There was something on the train I will earlier. accept $500,000. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to uh, come on as a consultant uh, in this movie and I obviously expect credits and payment. Uh, I'm going to write out the marriage counselling. Okay. I'm going to have it um, up in the mountains, like Colorado, getaway. Yeah, fair enough, working on the marriage. Cool. good, yeah. They go, they go off on romantic hike or some shit like Loving that. Loving it so far. Yeah. And then on this hike, yes, you can have a plane crash and they go to investigate it and obviously find out there there actually are terrorists. And there has been a uh, hijacking of... Uh, you, let's fuck it. If you wanna, if you wanna go with gold, we can go I with gold. I wanna go with gold. My, you wanna go with gold. All right, okay. No, no movement on the gold. And with that, yes, you can have it. Um, what you could do is you could do it more like what's that fucking movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio where he's lost in the, Revenant. the woods, like the, the Revenant. Have it more like the Revenant, where John McClane's left for dead in the mountain, and he kind of like. Uh, has to like kind of do a Liam Neeson s kind of like fight, fight the wolves, the wolves and the bears guy, yeah. and shit like that and the cougars and what and whatnot 
and he has to then you know sort of instead of obviously fighting villains he has to fight the elements i mean right so you know he has to fight god essentially and then yeah you know uh, and then with that yeah you can have the final uh battle on top of the mountain Stuff like uh, that. See, you've lost me there because Bruce Willis, John McClane needs people to quip off, and if a bear growls, he's not gonna, he's not gonna have anything for that, you know. Yeah, it could be like, you know, what's he gonna say? He's gonna talk about like, uh, you know, fucking Yogi Bear references. Oh yeah, uh, what? So he, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so he gets a what? Like a oh hey, Smokey the Bear, <laughs> smoke this. We could do. Yeah. yeah there All right. You go. All right. We're back itself. in. Um, back in okay I mean a hybrid of the two of those would also work but yeah we need an actual John McClane saving his marriage count uh, and I was thinking as well because he's obviously old school at this point John McClane the oldest of schools is if he's surrounded by all these newfangled dangled even you know the, the bad guys not the bears and the deer but the actual mm. bad guys are all using newfangled jangled spangled techniques and he's there with his trusty 9mm uh and we can show that by how much he despises the base jumping characters, the Aryan David Duchovny. It's, you know, it, it's uh, all in there. Yeah, okay, okay. There's a bit of a generational it. gap it's, it's divide almost... and maybe something that he can overcome and then learn to, if not appreciate, extreme sports. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool, kind of almost like Red. Yeah, okay. But it's still John McClane. Okay, all right. Well, uh, get the spec script to me by Monday. Sold. And... We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, yeah, uh, ultimately, this right. movie falls into the... Um, it is a guilty pleasure. Yes. Guilty pleasure, but it's a good guilty pleasure. Like, I I would... You could recommend this movie to people and be like, hey, do you want to watch a like, good Sylvester Stallone action movie? Here's Cliffhanger. You it's I mean? probably about ten minutes too long. Yeah, definitely. That third act, third act is very stretched. Yes, and it's very much... Uh, script writing by numbers, but yeah, the first two thirds make up for safe. it because it's exhilarating. It's real stunts and it's miniatures and it's million dollar plane to plane action and there's gunfighting mm. and there's terrifying gun uh, like bullet wound squibs and it's <laughs> it's ruined by three villains wanting to be the three main villain. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, that's a good shout, actually. I, I, the, the sort of uh, power struggle or, or dynamic of the villains kind of takes you uh, takes away from the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, cool, but awesome. Uh, yeah, final, final thoughts. thoughts are, if you've not seen it in... Uh, if you've not seen it in, in a while, stuck it on, have a good time, don't expect too much. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can go wrong with this. It it it, it aged well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, like I, I I think one of the things I can actually take away from this movie is like actually you know fairly well written, good uh, and the special effects are pretty decent. Uh, forgiving some of like the palettes and things mm. like that, but that's just you know the style at the time. Um, what are we doing on our next episode? What have we got for our next episode, my friend? You have the well, recommendations um, list. I do um, so we can either do uh, as our next lineup. Uh, it's just I think throwing in different kind of movies. So we've done Grand Piano, we've done Cliffhanger, uh, either Mean Girls or Kingdom of Heaven. Oh, absolutely, Mean Girls. Uh, on that note, this has been Adam Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. This has been our fifty-second mm-hmm. one-year episode. Thank you very much, Sylvester. Thank you very much, 
very much to everyone who's listened. Uh, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes. I'm sure a few other streaming apps. Uh, Adam and Craig's Guilty mm. Pleasure Cinema. We are on Patreon, but as always, there's nothing there. We just want your money. So uh, if, if you can't afford to give us a pound or two, please give us a like, give us a share, give us a subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, and most importantly, <laughs> get in touch just to let us know how much you love listening to our witty repartee. Is it witty? It has its moments. <laughs> Debatable. Uh, on that note uh, it's great having you back it's great being back and we will see you next week see you next week man have a good one we are watching a movie that we are talking about so sit back and relax and it's time to talk about it talk about it maybe get some popcorn or maybe some snacks because we are watching a movie that we're gonna be a talking about uh,